Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what is the first of hopefully many uh, live in-person podcasts this summer between Jake and I. Um, I am joined by Jake, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Halbertius, as always. You're way louder in person. <laughs> way, way louder in person. Well, that's why I turn down the gains of my microphone usually. You're yelling <laughs> yeah. at me for it most of the time. Yeah, you blow me out all the time. So what are we doing today? We're, we are following up on the Mock Needs uh, podcast that happened like a month and a half ago now. Yep. And actually mock drafting to those Mock Needs. Which I hate when I actually have to follow through on what I did. <laughs> yeah, you you made some lists and like I we both I think we our our list will without spoilers has a player very near the top that like isn't actually at the top of my big board, but that's kind of how we uh, went about it. Yeah, how we drafted it last time. So that's we're trying to honor that a little bit, I guess. See, I just once we finish that pod, like I do with all pods, just immediately threw everything I thought in the trash. <laughs> you you and forgot moved on. it immediately. Yeah, I know. Jake over here kept a nice little tally of it. <laughs> it's in it's in notepad, so <laughs> it's not that nice. <laughs> All right. Do you want to start us off? I know you have the format here, not me. So I guess we should run back down the uh, the list of of uh, properties here. You want to go through the the we we had eighteen things. Yes. I think really we're 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 drafting for uh, like the top like six. Yeah, I was saying six or seven, and that's. Maybe eight. Yeah, maybe, maybe nine. Eight. <laughs> Ten? I don't But Taking consideration based on the rankings that we did here. So, we had Rim Pressure, number one, followed by two Pop Threat. Three was Wing Stopping. Four was Movement Shooting, which you put a nine next to, and I'm not quite sure why. I think I had that at nine. Ah. You had it at nine. One of, one of the two of us had at late, lower in the... That was your pick, I think. I will take your word for it. Um, five was dribble handoff operator. Six was weak side rim protector. Seven was drop defender. Eight was secondary ball handler. Nine was wing pick and roll creation. Ten was slashing. Eleven was short roll playmaker. Twelve was jumbo point of attack defender G. Guard. Guard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be a G. Uh, Thirteen was chase defender. Fourteen was lob threat. Fifteen was transition slash outlet passing, which was all you. <laughs> Sixteen was post offense. Seventeen is standstill threes, and eighteen is primary ball handler. All right. So, uh, do you want to spoil our, no- our number one pick? Well, would we go down in order, or how? How are we, <laughs> I, I, how are we doing this? I think that's the only way we can. Uh, and number one remains the same as it has been for both of us. I think. Yep. This whole time. And it's Paolo Bancaro. I would say since uh, Duke played Gonzaga, I think we've been locked in <laughs> oh, on this. Oh, so it wasn't since... Didn't you guys play Duke? Didn't MSU play Duke earlier? Or were you guys contacting? We did not play Duke this year, no. We played them last year at Cameron and won, for the record. Um, this year, I... Did we, play, oh. did we play Kansas? Or was it Kentucky? Yeah, you're right. You didn't play Duke. It was, Duke, it was, was Kentucky. Duke was the no. good game in nope. the first weekend. I took it back. Kansas, final answer. <laughs> Kansas, final answer. Oh, that's right. You guys would have played Duke if you made it another game in the tournament this year. You bowed out. Oh, a, a game oh, you early. mean in the tournament? Yes, we did. We lost. Well, to Duke. yeah, I, I, the Champions Classic. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Sorry, it's so long ago. But the tournament, I was like, didn't they? Didn't they? But you didn't. You we didn't lost. Play. No, we lost to Duke in the tournament. We did not play them in the Champions Classic. We played uh, Kansas. Well, you did. You did get to Duke in the tournament. Yep, we okay. lost them, okay. and we God should have won. We were up with like three minutes left. It was close. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, you look down our, our list of, uh, of needs, uh, rim pressure, check, pick and pop threat, check, 
wing stopping maybe his like lowest part on this list, but uh, got like, potential to be something. He's not a he's not told he can in the NBA he's, he can he's not, not be Blake a total Griffin. turnstile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, movement shooting not as much, more of a self creator, dribble handoff operator. Not something he he did a lot of, but like definitely the the archetype he yeah. fits into. You can um, see that being a skill that develops in the league. You know, weak side, help, uh, rim protector, sure. Drop defender, probably something weak at. Secondary ball handler, sure. Wing creation, I guess that's what he qualifies as. Slashing, all this stuff. Yeah. He he checks all the boxes. Yep. So. If we were one of those sites that just kind of checks it off as he goes, it's hitting most of those checks, or at least halfway there. So, yeah, I think Paulo is all around the best player in this draft. You look at all the way around. Now, in today's NBA, you can argue, oh, Chet's going to be more useful, Jabari's going to be more useful, or so on and so forth, but I think in terms of all-around basketball player, if you want someone who can do everything, it's Paolo. At, at least right now. Yeah, in right, current Right state. now. Coming in, coming in and projecting forwards, uh, I think he has the easiest projection to have like a very well-rounded game. All right, so number two is kind of sort of the shocker. Here's our controversial pick. <laughs> uh, and it's it's Jaden Ivey. Uh, not the guy I have at number two, like on my personal big board. No. But when you have rim pressure as your number one overall need, mm-hmm. he's the best in the class at it. Uh, not a pick and pop threat, uh, like as a forward, but like definitely the kind of guy who can, um, like run your ghost screens, that kind of thing. The way they ran it with uh, Sadiq Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wing stopping was our our third thing. Not like a. A wing defender, but like definitely a guy who should be able to hope to like body up on bigger players along the wing. Yeah, he was one of those guys where he wasn't like the lockdown defender that you no. see like like how Killian kind of developed into last year. Like he wasn't, he's never been that. No, but he's a guy who kind of when challenged will step up and show defensively that he can hold his own. And he and he's got the size to play, you know, along the wing. Um, and then you're talking about movement shooting, sure. Uh, moving further down towards like number eight, secondary ball creation, uh, slashing, I triple handoff operator. I think he's phenomenal in that. From what I've seen him play. Well, as a Partially. as the ball handler. I mean, he's not going to be the handoff guy. Oh, you're saying the that guys. that was more oh, okay. for bigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But just really, I said more coming off the triple hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as as our number one thing is rim pressure. He you is. know, and I think I think that's number one, like weighted, like thirty percent higher than everything else. It's just such a huge need, and he's he provides so much of it. Yep. So and you see how important it is in today's NBA. If you look at kind of the finals matchup between the two best players in it are Steph Curry and Jason Tatum, and they are getting to the rim like when they want to. They're um, having some trouble. I think I think there. even even in the finals, we're seeing Jalen Brown be. Yep almost more important at times than Tatum because he's the rim pressure guy, right? Tatum almost struggles to get to the rim. But I'm saying when he does get there and he's able to finish, like, you can see how important of a player that can be. Well, it's even, like, he's not a great rim pressure threat, but his ability to, like, handle and, like, force a dig still, like, he can't beat the help defense, right? Like, Jalen Brown is so good because he, like, he'll football gather... And just, like, get to the rim, even if you get, like, a, a dig down from the, the corner. Tatum really doesn't have that in this game, but he still forces the dig, and he's a much smarter passer. So, yeah. um, all right, who's at number three? So, number three, we are continuing down with, at what at this point I feel like is the consensus number one guy on the board. Kind of feels like it. In Jabari Smith. Now, for me personally, I like him at consensus number one because I just think, for me, the board makes the most sense if Jabari goes to the Magic, Chet goes to the Thunder... Paolo goes to uh, the Rockets. 
And then number four is the Kings, and I'm expecting them to do like Keegan Murray or something random. <laughs> That's what works for me. So See, my my thing is someone falls in love with Ivy, someone falls in love with Chet and Jabari <laughs> and Sharp or Murray, and then Paolo falls. I'm just keeping I'm that energy. That. That, I'm keeping that energy this whole time. I'm praying for that because I I don't know why people are so down on Paolo. <laughs> He's so good. I've never understood it. Um, so you go down our list. Not a rim pressure guy, right? That's what knocks him down to to a pretty clear third as far as this list is concerned. Um, we looked it up right before the podcast. Paolo Bancaro had something like 260... 263, I think. Yeah, 260 Ridiculous. attempts at the rim uh, this year and finished pretty well. Jabari Smith finished well, uh, finished over 60% at the rim, had uh, one tip in, 18 dunks, and 80-ish field goal attempts at the rim. I think it was like something like 87, 89, something like that. Yeah, so, it was, I was shocked to see that. So something like, like a third of what Paolo brings to you as a rim. So when your number one thing is rim pressure, uh, as far as our priorities go, doesn't give you anything. Mm-hmm. Number two, though, pick and pop threat. The, be- the, the best you get. Right? Yep. Number three, wing stopping. One of the best wing defenders in the class. <laughs> Movement shooting. Yeah, he can do that. A dribble handoff operator. <laughs> yeah, I probably. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm It'll pretty, work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can do that. Weak side rim protection. Fine. It's not until you get down to like number seven that you really come up to another weak point in uh, being a drop defender. I don't think that's really in his thing. And then you get to like secondary ball handling and wing creation. That's where he needs to grow to really be a superstar for me. But like otherwise, he's nailing two through six on the board. So yep. Um, yeah, I think what he lacks in rim pressure, he really makes up in those other important things that we listed. Yeah. So while he won't be at the moment, he doesn't like potentially look like he's going to be the best rim pressure. That's something that can change. We said that in his limited volume, he was doing very good at the rim at Auburn, and Auburn is a weird team. So some of it is like. Take with a grain of salt the way they play basketball. Extremely weird team. But based on this list, you can based on the list that we made, he definitely shouldn't be the top choice over Apollo or an Ivy. But I do so, think he's very close to Ivy. Someone someone told me the other day that uh, Auburn plays the way people play in two K, and it just makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. The guards just chuck everything. Apollo like or not Paolo, uh Jabari like doesn't dribble. He just shoots as soon as he catches the ball, and like. Really terrible passing team. Walker Kessler's just like in space doing things. It's just uh, just an <laughs> Walker Kessler's just there. He's just around. <laughs> an NBA 2K team to an extreme. Uh, speaking of, of super big players, uh, that takes us to number four and Chet Holmgren. Uh, you know, not a rim pressure guy, but certainly a pop threat. Uh, certainly a, a guy who might be able to execute dribble handoffs, defend weak side, drop mm-hmm. defense, you know. Um, at this point, he's so good in those value areas that it doesn't really matter that he's not a rim pressure threat right now um, or that he's not really a movement shooter. And to be honest, I think there's a there's a world where Chet does actually become kind of a... like a Kelly Olynyk level movement shooter. Like, not, not a... He's the not going to be like... you can give. He's not going to be like... I don't think he's going to be Dirk, right? No. He's not He's not going to be that level of, of movement shooter. He's not Kevin Durant, Um you know, but like able to move, set his feet, then catch and fire, he can definitely do that. So, I think Chet is kind of easily the number four. You get this low, it doesn't matter what uh, you know what your priorities are so much as like he just has overwhelming talent over the rest of the board. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's one of the situations where he may not fit the like archetypes that we tried to build here, but he's such a talented player and checks enough of these boxes and projects to check some more of them in the NBA that. Keeping him at four would anything lower than that would be a travesty. Right. 
All right, who's number five? Number five is Shadon Sharp. Shadon? 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 A name that I still have not <laughs> quite fully learned yet, but I like to do that. So, so uh, I have gotten a chance to watch a lot more Sharp films since we've last talked about them. I'm just like way more in on Shaden Sharp than I was really? before. Yeah. Uh, that explains why he's so far off this board. Yeah. Like, when we're talking about room pressure, you'll hear a lot that Shaden Sharp's like first step is weird. It is, but he's not unathletic. He just like has really terrible mechanics, and those are the kinds of things like. First step is like you get a sprinting coach, right? Not not an actual sprinting coach, but like you get a you get a mechanical coach who says, you know, your 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 uh, your nose has to be over your toes in this way, right? Like, yeah. here's the body positions you need. We're gonna run a bunch of drills. Two or three years in, you know, he's physically developed, and like those things are gone, and he's a much better athlete because like the explosion is there to unlock. He just doesn't have the fundamentals in a way that some other guys are going to. Beyond that, just an elite shooter, yeah. right? An elite shooting prospect. Sometimes he's got some funny numbers. I really like his shot. I really like the way uh, his handle is set up to get into his shot. His handle could be even better. It still it definitely needs work. But when we're talking about rim pressure, uh, he's got it. Whether that's off the the like a, a cut or a dribble handoff, or it's off in isolation, um, the threat of his step backs is going to unlock things for him. Um, you know, in a similar way, we talked about Jaden Ivey being a pop threat. It's like a ghost screener. That's something Sharp can do. Um, wing stopping. We haven't seen him play a lot of defense. That's definitely the thing <laughs> that you don't see as much in high school tape. But like, yeah, that's something I think like you never see in high school tape. That's a college thing that kind of comes yeah. out of playing overseas. But we're you know he's going to be listed at six five, six eleven wingspan, <laughs> athletic, slides well, T- has the tools to be not a not a wing stopper in terms of like being able to like lock down a Jason Tatum, but like he's going to have size to defend, especially alongside a Cade Cunningham, etc. Movement shooting, sure. Um, weak side rim protection. He makes some good rotations. Uh, secondary ball handling, wing creation, slashing, all that stuff. Uh, and then just like the extra bit of he's the guy that might have the rim pressure and the, the self-creation to like unlock the stardom is what takes him over the guy at, at six for us. Interesting. And who is that six? Well, first I want to, before we move past Shaden... Okay. I will admittedly say that I have not watched a lot of Shaden Sharp tape at all. I'm not going to dig through the high school highlights <laughs> to see what, what he was doing back then. What do you think is his biggest strength right now as it projects the NBA? Uh, he's, he's an insane unlimited range off the dribble shooter. Okay, so shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a Levine style... Uh, yes, athlete. Please. He doesn't have. He he needs to unlock the the first step, right? We we talked about that earlier. Yeah. So, um, but like off the cut, right? Once he's already got that first step in, that second, third, fourth step, the elevation, really smooth, glides through the air. Great athlete. And then uh, he needs to improve his handle as like a pick and roll guy and and a traffic guy. But when it comes to like setting up isolation possessions. He gets into his footwork to get into balanced shots as good as any prospect in the draft, um, you know, <clears throat> and and beyond that, um, like once if if his shot is falling, he's going to be able to unlock the hard closeouts and the blowbys. And like as a primary guy, he's going to struggle for a while. Like I don't think he's he's a, a I don't think he's going to be the highest usage guy on a team for a while. He may not ever get there, mm-hmm. but 
attacking that's fine off, for a Pistons team. Right, yeah. attacking off a Cade Cunningham pick and roll and being like, you've got an empty uh, catch off the weak side, just go. He's going to excel at that. So I think that's definitely his strongest suit. Love that. All right. On to number six, which is one of my, as I said before, one of my secret guys I like in the draft, which is secret. Ben Matherin. You act like he, you Math. act like he's been stashed away. Yeah, well. he's no he's no Jalen Williams. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert there. <laughs> All right, you want to run the list on so, Ben? So Math? Why, why do you like Ben Math? I just like his energy that he brings to the floor. I like his tenacity that he plays with. I think he has a lot of skills that will transit transition well to the NBA game in terms of ball handling. And I just, I don't know, I just like him as a player. I've seen him in a couple <laughs> games, I like what I saw. Yeah, I don't think he's a, a self-generating attacker, right? He's very much a complementary player. Rim pressure comes, uh, you know, great athlete, right? Great straight-line athlete. No no isolation rim pressure for Ben Math, right? I think if I were to pull Synergy back up, I think it's like less than 20 isolation attempts for him all year. Hmm. Um, but if you're talking about like a guy attacking in like the KCP way of like, Coming off uh, DHOs, cuts to the rim, yeah. uh, back cuts. He's great in those situations. Good movement shooter. Um, needs to do a lot of work as a like help defender and just being smarter and seeing the floor better. But uh, you know our number three thing is wing stopping, right? As a pop threat, right? A guy who can do the ghost screens. Um, you know, just just overall as a complementary wing, one of the best. And like I think, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure like a surefire bet to be a contributor at that. So yeah, uh, just adds a lot of just overall competency and value. Um, you know, all up and down our, our needs board here. Mm-hmm. All right, move on to the next one. All right, this one is Jeremy Soshan, one of your boys. You've been big on him since before he started climbing up the boards. Tell us about him. Okay, so he's a weird one in that you are projecting, like, a lot of development yeah. from your from your staff, right? So the idealized version of Sochan is, like, I'm trying, <laughs> player comps are hard. I'm trying not to, like, I'm trying to think, like, it's almost Iguodala-ish. Okay. Um, where, like, he needs to be a better uh, ball handler and stuff. But, like, there's a version of Sochan that's, like, able to run the break and pass in transition and do a little bit of that in the half court and like as this utility forward create some rim pressure for you right not just a uh catch and has to pass or shoot um but a catch take two dribbles and do something in the middle of the floor guy so like a tobias harris way a little bit no not no well first of all tobias doesn't pass so (laughs) (laughs) no um like almost like the utility version of like what Andrew Wiggins does without mm. as much of the like scoring because like the shooting isn't there right um, which is yeah. why where I get to like the Iguodala types um, where like I don't think his shot is ever going to be super effective but then we go to like our number three thing wing stopping uh, Soshan is the most polished wing defender in the draft mm-hmm. um, just at six ten great wingspan um, a really good lateral athlete just. This is a dude who can switch one through five and be a plus defender one through five. Not just, yeah, he can survive. He will lock down, uh, especially your small ball fives, doesn't care. Your fours, loves it. He, <laughs> he will brutalize any guard that's not, like, absolutely elite at setting up screens. Um, you know, he can be your small ball five in terms of, like, a DHO operator. Um, 
weak side rim protection, all that stuff. Um, not really a guy you're going to drop. Um, yeah. But just like, at this point, you're you're like, this is one of the best defensive prospects in the draft, and if I can get any kind of mechanical stability out of him offensively, <laughs> I'm going to unlock a tool that, like, this guy is, like, <coughs> I'm trying to think. Jabari probably takes the cake here, but, like, if there's mm-hmm. a guy you're going to, like, just, like, plug into the playoffs right now. I need somebody to, like, join the, the, the Celtics or the Warriors and give me 11 minutes, you know, right now. Sochan and Smith are, like, the two guys at the top of that list. Because they're both, like, Smith is maybe going to get a little more lost defensively. Like, I, I would trust Sochan pretty quickly to maybe. just, like, join in, like, the Boston switch-everything defense and be competent. Um so that's that's what you're getting right away. It's just just a really high level defender that's going to stay on the floor because of the defense. And if you unlock anything on offense, you've got a guy who's going to who's going to contribute for a long time. Yeah, he's someone who I keep seeing mocked the Wizards, and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> but I know what's going to happen is that the smart team like the Spurs are going to draft him, and he's going to be amazing. So yeah, he's a perfect Spurs guy because then you just get uh, Chip England to fix his shot, and then it's just like, oh look, they found Kawhi again, and the sky's the limit on it. Yeah, yeah. Right. A little different than our number eight guy. Yep. Then the next person on our list is another one of your boys, Tara Eason. Tar- Tara? Tari. Tari. A, a little better. Uh, so, again, big forward, right? Yep. Uh, really, really big forward. One of the best measurables in the draft. Crazy wingspan, massive hands, uh, explosive athlete. Um, just like from a, a pure measurable standpoint, one of the best prospects in this draft. Maybe the best prospect in this draft from a measurable standpoint. But where, like, Sochan is, like, really polished defender who, like, mirrors really well. Tari Eason is just, like, a chaos merchant, right? We talked about this in the Tari Eason episode. Yep. Tari just gets steals. Tari will regularly wander away from a shooter in one corner to a shooter on the opposite break and just, like, smother that dude and steal the ball from him. And as a coach, like, what do you do? Like, your guy just completely left his assignment. Yeah. Just completely blew just the Broke scheme. down the defense, yeah. But he's six nine with like seven foot four wingspan or whatever, and just like seven just, just seven two. Oh, well, my bad. Yeah. But just like, just like swallowed this this poor point guard hole. Like, as for, in terms of like defenders in this draft that will like make you suffer and embarrass you, Tari is number one. Just like the kind of guy who just like you drive towards him and he doesn't like go up vertical. He just puts two hands in your bread basket, steals the ball, rips it from you, like leaves you on the ground, and dunks on the other end. Um. He had some insane highlights when I was looking through his package. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like... And for somebody who's, like, 220, it just doesn't make sense either. Yeah, just just a crazy, crazy athlete. Um, you know, you go down our, our priorities here, right? Rim pressure, not in the half court, right? Yeah. But but it's a transition threat and has maybe a little bit of, like, a short roll threat. Definitely has a pop threat. Needs to fix the three-point shooting. Uh, 36-ish percent, I think. Yeah, 36. Yep. You've got it pulled Spot up. on. Uh, not great, right? Low volume guy. Um, the free throws pretty good. Eighty percent. Uh, it's more like more than anything. It's just that, like he's so chaotic. Yeah. That like he's gonna take terrible shots, and he's going to like he's the kind of guy where like if he focuses on like the the form of his shot every time, it's gonna look really good. But he's also the kind of guy that like will talk trash at the free throw line while shooting and screw things up. That's a that's a very common thing with Tari. Um, so, yeah, just wing stopping, like I said. 
Uh, it's not fundamental, yeah. <laughs> but but he can do something. Um, you know, dribble handoff operator, maybe weak side run protection, absolutely drop defender. I think he can be a drop defender in the, in a way Sochan can't. He's a much more explosive um, athlete. Hmm. Um, secondary creation, wing creation, uh, mm, uh, less so. Not, not really slashing out of corners, probably short roll playmaking, maybe. Um, you know, really a lob there, really a transition guy. So a guy that checks a lot of boxes. A guy that would concern me for Detroit because I don't know that Dwayne Casey could stomach it. Oh God! Um, you know, just Dwayne like, might quit. <laughs> like this is this is like the guy. This is very much Seku Dumbia, but like if he was like the good side of Seku all the time, right? Like the 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 Seku that like did get minutes, but all the chaos is included. Yeah, so double the chaos. Probably not as many lows, but like you're really hoping that Dwayne Casey likes the highs on that kind of player. Yeah, uh, not someone I personally see for the Pistons, especially in the range that he's projected at, unless we make a trade. So, Dwayne can rest easy tonight. Yeah, maybe the maybe if there was a, a trade for like a, another pick in the lottery, maybe Tari's the guy. Yep. I've seen him as high as like a six on people's boards. Like there, there are people that really love Tarizan. Yeah, once you get to about six, five, six, it, it, it kind of breaks down. So anything is possible after that. So, go full K, go full KG. <laughs> All right, next on the list is Keegan Murray, everyone's favorite. I did not realize the contingent, um, especially like the athletic, that loves Keegan Murray, but that's where we're at. I, I've said it before. I think the Keegan Murray love is that like he's an extremely easy scout. He's an extremely likable kid, and it's just one of those things where I think uh, the the beat writers and stuff that like, and and not naming names, not trying to call anybody out. I think a lot of people are like, I watch this dude. I like this dude. He's really easy to like. Uh, I understand what he's going to be in the NBA. So I'll put him in the mock drafts. Mm-hmm. And I think GMs are like, yeah, I have no problem talking about Keegan Murray because I'm not going to lose my job if I draft Keegan Murray. True. And, like, I think it just makes it really easy to, like, make him... Like, I hear his name, not just on in the Pistons front, like, nationally. His mm-hmm. name is just in the conversation more than, like, Chet. Yeah. Which is insane. But he's just such an easy player to talk about that everybody's like, well, why are... why If he's so easy to talk about, why isn't he not higher? And it's like, well... Because he's not good at, at certain things that are worth the number one pick. Yeah, you know we talk about rim pressure as our number one thing. Keegan Murray doesn't provide that. Right, he's not a driving threat. He's a he's a um, you know gets a cross screen to into a, like a mid post or low post post up and kind of like one dribble back down turn over the shoulder flip up the hook shot kind of guy. Yep, there's I've no, seen there's that no, a million times <laughs> just yeah. thinking of watching Iowa games. Right, all his scoring is is really like he he scores in a lot of ways from a lot of positions, but it's a lot of college offense positions, right? A yeah. lot of those mid post things are just not things the NBA cares about at all. Yep. For me, Keegan Murray looks like someone who was phenomenal in college and one of those ideal college players that you can see the skills and it's not like uh, who was Luca Garza, where you look at him and you know that his skills are going to translate to the NBA. You can see that Keegan Murray is going to have some success in the NBA, but I worry about his ceiling and his potential, which we talked about a million times, and I don't know why people just see what he did in college and expect it to translate exactly into the NBA. Right. It's not going to happen. So so it's that, it's that number one priority, rim pressure, that he doesn't really fit. The pop threat, he's got that. Yep. I do like him as a defender, not like a stopper-stopper, but like wing-stopping. He, can, he a, can be competent. He's above average defensively, I'd say. As a movement shooter, I think he has to improve. Um, I think he's re- like like I talked about with, Ch- with uh, Chet earlier, right? A guy who can like come off a pin down, he sets his feet, and then you pass him the ball, or you pass him the ball like as he sets his feet. I think he's pretty good. If you pass him the ball and then he has to do the one two off the catch, 
he starts to like get some leg swing and it gets it gets way messier pretty quick um you know can he run dhos i think he can yep uh weak side rim protection probably decent not a drop defender nope not really uh, but like it's it's down here where we get secondary ball handler wing creation short roll uh playmaking even these are the areas that like he doesn't give me a lot, and that's why he's not above some of the other guys. I just don't think I don't see the dynamism with the ball in hand that creates for others in a way, or like really leverages the defense. He's the guy that takes advantage of what other people do, not a guy that really adds advantage creation of his own, and that's why he doesn't rank quite as high. And it's also one of those things where you can see that he hasn't done that up to this point in his career, and also looking at him as a player, he doesn't project to be gaining those skills at any point in time. Like, I don't expect him ever to be, like, the secondary ball handler or, like, a no. wing pick-and-roll creation. Like, I don't I don't see that ever happening from no. him. He doesn't have the no. agility. He doesn't have the athleticism. I don't see it. I, I honestly think he's kind of on a one-dribble limit. Yeah. Um, I think he's a little more advanced than, like, Sadiq Bey was coming in, but not by much. Yeah. All right, number 10, one of my favorite guys. Here AJ we go. Griffin. Yep. Everyone, <laughs> everyone that has ever listened to this podcast. Those poor souls knows that we love AJ Griffin. I, I love AJ. Uh, he falls. I'd argue he should be maybe higher on the board. But. Well, he falls here because he's not a rim pressure threat. Yeah. Uh, and and he's got a lot of work to do uh, mechanically. I think he can be a better rim pressure threat than he's shown. Um, but it's going to take him some time. As we um, kind of I think talked about in the AJ Griffin episode was a little bit is kind of the athleticism coming off those injuries. Yep. Where if he gets you know gets with the right coach and shows him how to do that, shows him how to jump off the right feet and those kind of things, he will, I think, project better on that. And it's, it's some of it's first step. Uh, some of it's like he takes weird paths. He doesn't play on the drive like he's a big, strong 6'6", 220 guy. Like he doesn't um, – you've, you've seen like the way Jimmy Butler, right? Jimmy Butler gets his shoulder anywhere near close to you and he's blowing you off your spot and just like squirming past. Mm-hmm. AJ wants to go around you. And that's the thing he's going to have to change. That's a f- – fairly coachable thing i think it like it's it doesn't require a handle improvement it requires a, a mentality shift yeah um and he's got like the size to do that like, all the got, tools all the tools everything for and then one of the craziest shooters i mean <laughs> just a, an insane shooter um as a defender he needs to get like better but we talked about this before he lost two years worth of reps mm-hmm. if there's anybody where you can bet that they're going to look smarter <laughs> in a, in two years of NBA basketball, I think AJ Griffin's way up that list. And if he gets the handle, if he gets the slashing, any of that stuff takes a leap. You're you're going from this guy could be a rotational role player to this guy could be a, a top three. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's your at least third banana. Yeah. All right, number eleven then. Uh, similar archetype, Johnny Davis. I just I just compare this dude to Gary Harris all the time. I, li- I was literally about to say that. <laughs> I was watching some of his tape, and he just, even from the way he looks, the way he moves, he just looks like like another Gary Harris. Yeah. He's two years in college, Big Ten, I don't know what it is, but yeah. The the, the, uh, the facial features, very Gary Harris-y, <laughs> uh, but just like a guy that like I think he's going to shoot, uh, he, he had a really bad second half of the season because he was injured, mm-hmm. and like it sapped a bit of his athleticism. I don't think that's going to continue. I think his shot's going to improve when he's, like his ankle gets better, Um Really solid defender, just just a really competent overall wing. We don't really have to go into the I think the the priority list here. Um, <laughs> at eleven, you're just looking for competency and production. 
And Johnny Davis, at one point in time, people had him as high as top three yeah. in the draft just because he was so productive early on. And I, I think most of it's going to translate. I don't see a lot of star upside, but... Yeah, I don't think he's going to be as good as he like a, he was originally. Right. But I do feel like he definitely, with that injury, took a bit of a slide. And now I feel like he's also... I, <laughs> like, I would like to say, like, oh, he's going to be like a kind of a sleeper pick where he's going to be late lottery. But I feel like he's also, like, his arrow is trending back up. I feel like people are starting to come back around on Johnny Davis. I don't. I don't think like I don't think he sneaks back into like top five combo. Not top five. Like, no. I don't. I think. I think probably but like eight. Eight is, to ten yes. is where I I see him end up being. And I think if he was in the like 13, 14, 15, it'd be he'd be severely underdrafted. That, that's eight very to ten. Much I feel like you draft, but you trade back into that range because I think that's yeah. great value for him. One hundred percent. Yeah, you get you get a guy like him who can who can shoot catch and shoot threes. Who can defend positionally and who can take you know two or three dribbles and hit a mid-range shot or or get to the rim? Uh, that's a pretty valuable player. Yeah, I'd be curious to see the pick that I like him at is eight for the Pelicans. I could see him going there. That'd be interesting. The Josh Hart CJ. replacement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, number twelve, Dyson Daniels. This is my boy. The Pistons cannot have him. He is going to be a wizard. <laughs> I need filthy, him on that team. Filthy ass Wizards fan. <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you like about Dyson Daniels? I just like the handle that I saw and kind of limited amount of G League action I saw from him, as well as just kind of his overall creation and kind of what he can do, which I think is exactly what the Wizards need. I think he's the best person in the draft at it, or at least on the high-end lottery side. See, it's interesting you said because I think I always comp him to Killian Hayes if Killian Hayes couldn't really dribble. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think he's a good ball handler. Um, he's not a real point guard. He's just like an amazing connective player. Yeah. Uh, also, kind of an Iguodala-ish, uh, <laughs> you know, like six a six young Iguodala, I'd say. Well, no, I still think older, but like because young Iggy was like a, a Kobe yeah. wannabe, self-creating, low efficiency. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's like the low efficiency. Like young Iggy was willing to take bad shots, and like Dyson Daniels is not going to take bad shots. Uh, if the if the three point shot comes around, it was kind of messy. But like if it comes around, you've got a guy who's who's big enough to guard one through three, one through four, mm-hmm. who can uh, hit maybe some corner threes, and a really good connective passer. Really, you know, sees things before they happen, um, and then he's maybe the best like small defender in the in the class. Really, really good on guards. Really good at, at going down and uh, and trailing. Uh, just overall one of the most competent defenders. I really like Dyson Daniels. Um, again, I, I don't think he has enough of a handle to like give him the kind of star upside that I've seen him like mocked like early in the lottery, and like no, I no, think no, that's we crazy. That. We don't need that. <laughs> but yeah, Dyson Dyson definitely I think is is a, a good player who's this range is pretty good for him. I think Double D will pair perfectly next to Double B Bradley Beal. <laughs> They, they do fit pretty well. He just has to shoot it. That's the big thing yeah. for Dyson Daniels is he has to shoot it. But, I mean, when you saw him play in, like, the uh, All-Star Weekend. Um, the Rising uh, Stars game. Uh, the Rising Stars game. Yeah. Um, you know, he Was played he played with change? Cade, right? Did they change the name to that, or is it still Rising Stars? I think it's Rising Stars. It's just they changed the oh, format. Changed, I don't know they changed the format. I thought it's a tournament thing now, okay. but... Um, you know, he had to play, I think, with, he was on Cade's team, right? And, I think so. Uh, like, you just saw that, like, he fits really well. He, he, he's willing to mesh with other players, and I, I really like Dyson Daniels. Yep. 
Number 13 is a bit of a curveball that I just kind of threw in here. And I think I think these are the last two we'll go to because the rest of the list I definitely didn't sort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's fine with me. So, so 13, Nikola Jovic. I'm going to call him Nikola Jovic so damn much. <laughs> you, you are. I look at it and I'm like, I see it's Jovic. I know of Jovic's <laughs> because of soccer. I'm going to call you Jokic. <laughs> yes, your, your I brain, hope you're okay with that. Your, your brain is just offering you a trade, and you have no choice. Exactly. Uh, how much about Nikola Jovic do you know? That he has some like insane handles for the size he is, and he's a good shooter, right? That That's pretty good. So th- this is one of those things where we go back to our priority list, and like I don't know that 13 is the right spot for him, but when you're talking about like rim pressure, this is a dude who's 6'10 and can put the ball on the floor automatically, right? In a little bit of the Paolo mold, right? You've 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 created rim pressure. Any, anything that you can do uh, at that size, uh, that's rim pressure. Definitely a pick and pop threat. Not a good enough defender for me to say he's a wing stopper, but like he's also not a turnstile at that size. Um, actually, I actually don't think he's much of a like a five. He's very much a three four, not a four five. Um, so, like, I don't know that he's going to give you the drop defense or anything like that. Movement shooting, sure. Dribble handoff operation, sure. Uh, some secondary ball creation, I think so. Uh, slashing, sure. Yeah. Uh, cutters, yeah. Short roll playmaking, I think he can do some of that. Um, <laughs> a lot of threat, transition threat. Like, this is a guy that checks a lot of boxes, isn't maybe good enough at any of them to, like, leap off the page, right? But, um... You know, when you're, <clears throat> when you're trying to prioritize what can we do to maybe make Isaiah Stewart's life better? What can we do to make, you know, you bring in a DeAndre Ayton in the... In the <clears throat> excuse me. Gonna make it? No, my voice is gone. I think I'm here to give you CPR. <laughs> it's it's uh, family reunion doing a lot of talking this week. Uh, you talking? Never. Oh, my God. Uh, but, uh, like, this is a dude who very much... Uh, P.D. Webb, I, I quote him on the pod all the time... Um, at above the break three on Twitter, uh, PD once uh, I think last year during the cycle he said this is a dude who very much is just trying to be Jason Tatum, like he's <laughs> copied a bunch of his moves in the way that people used to copy the Kobe turnaround and the Jordan turnaround, mm-hmm. which same turnaround because Kobe copied the yeah, Jordan like turnaround. Kobe copied Jordan. That's uh, where it started. <laughs> <laughs> but Jovic is very much that that mold, um, and I think that if you're getting back into this range. He's an interesting prospect. Yeah. Like, late lottery, I I like him a lot for the upside that he can bring. I don't know how we'd be able to get to him, but I know I have people that absolutely love what he brings on tape like, and think I, that he's going to be an absolute stud in the NBA. Thir- 13 feels high. Um, I don't know that I would trade for pick 13. I don't even know who's, who has pick 13. You've got this up. That's the Hornets. So, the Hornets 13 feels yeah, 15. high. 15. <laughs> little closer. You start getting down to like the 18, 19, 20s. Like, okay, that really feels interesting. Like, 16 is the Hawks. Like, mm-hmm. if the Hawks offer me, um, I know uh, one Ooh, of the here random... We go, here we go. Live trade making. Well, one of the random ones that's been thrown around is like, what if uh, it's Bogdan Bogdanovich and 16? I want a Kangu. You're not getting a Kangu out of them. We're, We're talking not... about for Jeremy Grant, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not getting a Kangu. Uh, but if that's your Jeremy trade, like, I would probably take that. And then Jovic becomes a guy that's like, all right, 16, I think this is pretty good value. This replaces uh, the Jeremy Grant minutes pretty well. 
You know, we don't make... need to worry about replacing those minutes. We're getting Apollo at four. Oh, yeah, Apollo at five. Yeah. Yeah, five, yeah. <laughs> but... we're, we're just jumping the kings. The kings go behind us. Um, but, yeah, if, if, like, I wouldn't do it if Keegan Murray was the pick at five, because that's, like, way too much overlap. But, yeah, yeah he, he would make sense in that kind of situation. So, um, <laughs> you a, want to a pick, good name. You don't want to pick the, like... High floor, low ceiling, combined with the high ceiling, low floor, same position guy. Same. No, no that that would end up with a lot of Nikola Jovic never seeing the floor. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like when the Bulls had Bobby Portis and uh, who's the other Nikola? Not Jokic. Not well. What was the name? Beard played for the Bulls. Miritich. Oh. Miritich oh. and. Uh, and Bobby Portis, who played like the same position, overlapped so much. I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about Cristiano Felicio. Um, I don't know if you remember ah, him. Yeah, I do remember him. But he was that same like era of Bulls team, and I was like, they, they had that was an easy choice. <laughs> Though they did give him a shit ton of money for no uh, yeah. freaking reason. It was a weird time for the Bulls. All right, last guy went on uh, the Lockdown Pistons to talk about him with Koo yesterday. Uh, is Jalen Duran? Uh, this is basically like, what if we tried Andre Drummond again? <laughs> like Some of us are for this. <laughs> I, I, I liked Andre Drummond. Uh, you got a 6'10 center, really crazy wingspan. He's he's at like the 7'6 wingspan range. He's an, an insane wingspan. Yep. Great leaper, who just like really raw in, a, in, a, in terms of like screening yeah. quality, um, drop defense. He just like, he, he needs a lot of coaching. Um, he's also he's, eighteen and a half years old. God damn! One of by like very much one of the youngest players in this draft. He's he reclassed into this draft. He was supposed to be a, a guy for next year. Um, you that know, body is insane at eighteen. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this dude is uh, like a Bam Adebayo. Like this dude came in, cut, fit, ready to go. Yeah. Um, he's he's another one where like I wouldn't make him my first pick but like again if you have if you have plans you know what you're going to do at center and you want another center uh Duran at 14 on this list um I think I think 5 is is too high but like again if you're if you're getting like one of the the uh, Hornets picks at 13 or 15 um maybe you this get the 12 perfect. off okay see like this guy makes a lot of sense um Duran for me is perfect for the Hornets. I think oh, that yeah, he'd be a perfect Hornet. That'd be just a match made in the hammer with him, him and Lamelo. No he's he's a weird on. one where there's like not a lot of great fits earlier in the draft. Um, like not not a lot of these yeah. teams need a center, but I think he's I think like if he if he makes it to like twelve or thirteen with OKC and the Hornets, I think that's probably too far for Duran as a as a prospect value. I think I think yeah. that's. Uh, a bit of a slide for him from a value perspective. So we've Tick- got him at 14 here on the list, but yeah, Tickethon has him at 11, which I could see. I think that the Knicks have the Knicks are the 11th pick. And they're they getting rid of Mitch Rob. I think he's a free agent, though, right? Yeah, but and they are also getting. I think Noel is contracts up there. They have right now a bunch of centers, but I think they're also cycling through them all. So maybe he'd make sense there. If not, if the Thunder don't take Chet, 100% see him going there. And then if not, Hornets just match made in heaven. Yeah, but they're taking. I feel like the Hornets with thirteen and fifteen. If they don't end up with Duran or Mark Williams, I'm gonna be shocked. Yeah, it, it just makes too much sense. All right, that is forty five minutes on the mock needs draft. Are there prospects or players that you think like later on in the draft you're just like really interested in 
those guys. Those Just go talk about who you want. We know we know you have somewhere to go with this. Just go for it. I I love me some of the Jalen Williamses. Whether it's Arkansas's Jalen Williams, who's like an Al Horford clone, or Santa Clara's Jalen Williams, who's like a Sadiq Bay clone. I love the Jalen Williamses. I'm just curious if there's like we we did probably 10, 15. I didn't count how many of these guys we uh, we looked at. But if there's if there's a, a a name that interests you in the draft that we never did a prospect dive on. Now's the time. Cause I don't think we're going to record again in the, uh, in the 10 days or whatever it is before the draft. Probably not. I think the next pod is going to be a post draft pot. I don't know. I <laughs> like, all, I'm looking through the list of second round picks. <laughs> Dale and Terry. I remember him playing <laughs> for Arizona. I don't even know who Trevor Keels is. There's you your watched Duke. I watched Come Duke. On. I don't remember who he is. He was, the, he was like big bulky football player point guard. They had. Okay. <laughs> Max Christie. Obviously I know. Yeah. Christian Braun. Sounds familiar. What does he look like? He's a white he's... guy. Played for Kansas, like a, yep. a good dude. hustle forward. Yep. yep. I kind of liked him. Yeah, he's he's a good player. He'll be he'll be an NBA player. He's he's very much just a, a three and D does the work kind of player. I don't know, Khalifa Diop. I like the name. No, I, we're not talking about Khalifa Diop. He's an international guy. I'm knocking that off the list. I don't know. Talk about who you want to talk about. You can look through this more than I am. Caleb Houston. You want to go over him? <laughs> I can't believe he's still in the draft. <laughs> I can't either. I, it's. The fact that both he and Diabate stayed, while neither one of them are like mocked in yeah. most people's things, is kind of crazy to me. Uh, it makes a little bit of sense. It's this is one of those weird things um, with NIL is like Caleb Houston, if he was eligible for NIL, uh, should yeah, stay at Michigan. That's so stupid. But he's Canadian, which means that he has to maintain a, schola- a purely scholastic yeah. uh, uh, visa. Yeah, and because of that, he can't get NIL money. Which means that, like, even if there's, like, second-round opportunities, if he gets any... Like, apparently he may have, like, some guaranteed money promise. Not Probably not a first-round promise, but, like... But, like, a, a undrafted free agent. Like, a, we'll yeah. give you two years guaranteed, kind of the way we treated uh, Isaiah Livers this year, right? Yeah. Um, like, that kind of option, if you need the money, you might as well take it, because that's probably your best way to make a million and a half dollars, and... I'm shocked that the NCAA doesn't allow... Like, I get... That's not an NCAA, that's not an NCAA thing. Well, that's okay. a government thing. Yeah, that's that's an entirely a federal government thing, and it's up to the NCAA to lobby, uh, you know, for that or or for schools <laughs> or student bodies. I'm not saying the NCAA is going to be lobbying for the players to get paid. Well, it's it's one of those things where like if the NCAA wants to keep Caleb Houston in the NCAA, that's a thing that they should lobby for. Um, you know that it, this is how you maintain. Um, these some of these international prospects. Frankly, um, you talk about a guy like Franz Wagner, right? An international prospect who like definitely needed that second year, but could have gone the first year. Like that's how you absolutely guarantee that he plays two or three years at Michigan. Is yeah, I mean it's definitely a way to keep people there longer. I would disagree with your point on Franz Wagner. I think he was ready to go, but in, in as a sophomore, but like as yeah. a freshman, he had the choice of leaving. Like there there was a possibility, and he's he was like, I'm going to stay and be. You oh, know, okay. Okay. And and like he made the decision to stay because he knew it was going to get drafted higher, and that was absolutely the right decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there was nil and he made you know a couple hundred grand to stay at Michigan, then it becomes a no brainer. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else makes sense in that regard, and I, I can't. But like, 
any 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 I mean any foreign prospect, right? Any foreign prospect where you're like this dude maybe isn't ready, but he's joining a, the the second round. Like this is why that makes sense. And I'm I'm, I'm looking at your list. Like That's who right. else is is here? Uh, there's not a lot of international guys who are playing in. In the U.S. In the U.S., but I mean that's what we're talking about, and yeah. that's that's what you're gonna you're gonna. Uh, the, the, at this point, there's like a no lose situation for the NCAA to argue for that because they're not even arguing that athletes should be played, just paid, <laughs> just that international people should be treated, you know, the same. And I think that's an easy line for them to dance on, even if they're the NCAA and they suck at everything. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't see the NCAA actually doing anything of actual use anytime soon. No, so, no, no. They're, they're it, would, it would depend on a school... A garbage organization. It would depend on a school trying to make the case, which maybe we'll they'll just, have... We'll just let Gonzaga do it, because they always just <laughs> bring in all the foreign guys. Or or Matt Painter. We let Matt Painter do it, because Matt Painter thinks that anytime there's a uh, um, uh, like an international dude who's like 7 foot 1... Matt Painter wants that dude immediately. Matt Painter and he has a gets com- him too. Matt Painter has a complete Rolodex of every human being that's over seven foot tall in in the world. He knows every single one of them by name. But he can only have max with two of them at a time. And He's got to cycle through them. None of them can be under two hundred and fifteen pounds either. All of them have to be like stump legged, gigantic centers. Yep. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts before the draft? <laughs> I am just. Trying to talk either Paolo or Jaden into the Pistons, <laughs> into the draft pick, and God help me if we end up taking a Keegan Murray over them. All right, uh, prediction time. Do the Pistons move? Uh, do the Pistons make a trade on draft night? No, 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 no. Okay, I'm going to say they do, and that they move back into the first round. Do you think Jeremy Grant is on the team after the draft? I'll say maybe, but definitely not after free agency. Maybe? Who are the but, and, that? I'll say, I'll say not after, like... If you, if you could say maybe, I'm going to go back to my I'm, first I'm, answer I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, say I'm going to go say, I'm going to like, I'm not... I don't know about that, because, like, it all depends on, like, signing trades with Aiden, etc. I'm going to say not after, like, July 10th or whatever. Okay. Well, we're going to have another pod before then, so that's where you can bring that prediction up. Yeah, but I don't want... I don't, I don't, I don't want to make predictions like that. Okay. I, I don't know about that. Ugh. Who do you think goes number one? Chet. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I, I just look at uh, uh, their like history of drafting. Those guys. Um, it's the same dude who came from. I can't. I can't remember his name. He was Milwaukee's GM, and he's the dude that just loves length. Loves loves, loves length. length. And like, Chet is the long boy. Uh, they like, uh, I think, Wendell Carter Jr., but they're probably going to move on from Obamba. Uh, it's just like, I think they will have space at center uh, coming out of this year. Uh, Chet's probably one of the highest upside picks in this draft. They've got the time to develop him. They've got a situation that's probably pretty comfortable for him. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Who do you also, uh, don't forget, Suggs was his high school teammate at Minnehaha. And, sure. uh, like, that that does have quite a bit of value, I think, for a lot of GMs is pairing guys. Um, it's the where, like you have a you have an understanding of their character and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm gonna say chat. Okay, who do you think is the player that is the biggest surprise going up the draft, like getting drafted sooner than we expect, and going down the draft, getting them later than we getting drafted later than we expect. 
right, I'm going to use Tankathon's ratings here yep, as, a, as, well. a, as a thing. I think Soshan goes before 10. Uh, I think he's he's one of the, the easy risers. I was going to uh, go Duran. This is the person I think is going to jump up. I think NBA GMs look at him and go, you know what? I think I can see it. He's he's the guy where I think it happens by trade, though. I don't I don't yeah. see the, the existing... I don't see it happening in this order, necessarily, but eh, I mean, maybe the Pacers call. Maybe the Pacers get rid of Miles Turner and immediately bring him in or something. I think Usman Diang is a guy that might fall. Um, yeah, he's he's here at fourteen on Tankathon, and he's like the like the classic like Kevin Durant guy, where like he's super skinny, but he can shoot and create and do all this other stuff, uh, at, at a super tall frame and very skinny. Um, I just think like as a overseas guy, he didn't like have elite numbers. Um, yeah. So he's he's the, like a when do I gamble on Usman Dieng, and I don't know that fourteen is low enough for that for a lot of people. Uh, I think Branham might be a, a high riser. Um, people love Malachi Branham. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I would I would say like if Sharp doesn't go uh, to the Pistons, like it yeah. might be down like the Knicks. Like he could slide. Uh, he could be in the later teens, uh, not late teens. Sorry, the later lottery. Um, He's someone that I see another team trading up and grab. I don't think he slides that maybe, far because another yeah. team tries to come in. Because like grab him. Portland is absolutely not going to take that gamble. Uh, the Pacers are like the least; uh, they're the most conservative team historically the mm-hmm. NBA has, like point blank period. Well, yeah. Um, like politically and strategically, uh, and also yeah. like, could you imagine Rick Carlisle coaching Shaden Sharp? <laughs> um, the Pels, I think, I think that's an interesting fit, but they don't. I don't think they have a lot of room to like let him go at this point. Yeah, um, that'd be the spot where I think someone trades up. Yeah, and so them. so Spurs. Wizards probably not. Uh, no. They're trying to prove things to Beal. I think they're still. I think that Beal has said the right things, but I think he's still probably holding them over a barrel a bit to compete. The I don't. Kn- know. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't see him going past the Knicks though. Yeah, the Knicks are always a star power gamble. <laughs> I 100 percent could see him on the Knicks if he's available there, but I think he gets taken before it goes to the Knicks. It might be the Knicks trading up to yeah, get him. It might be the it might be the Knicks being like swap us for seven Portland yeah. and we'll give you something. So. All right, I think that's all we're going to do for today then. Sounds uh, good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you after the draft, probably. Yep. Probably sometime around my birthday. When you're yep. 30, it's going to be miserable. Old man uh, Jake. Yeah, it's anxious. You couldn't so, stand up earlier. You had to sit down for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what happens. Old man knees. All right, we will see everybody later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.